The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Is anybody ready for the word? I know I came to preach. I hope you guys are ready. Uh, We're continuing in our nine week, yes, I'm not kidding, nine week series on the fruit of the spirit. We're 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 in a series called The Better Way. I need you to look to your neighbor and let them know there's a better way. There's a better way. You're either one of two people. You're either one, you're the first person that is, you know, you kind of don't care how things get done as long as they get done, right? Doesn't really matter. As long as it gets done, you're good. And then you're right, like me, and you know there's a better way, right? For instance, uh, my wife Haley, I'm going to throw her under the bus a second. Um, I love her to death, but she's the type of person that thinks that you can just load the dishwasher however you'd like. And as long as you put the dishes in and close the door and don't forget a pod, you're good to go. But how many of you know that ain't, that ain't the right way to do it? So I'll be coming in at night with my bowl of cereal that I have every night, and I'm putting it in the dishwasher, and I open the dishwasher, and I'm like, ah! And I have a heart attack because of what she's done in there. And so I find myself rearranging everything because there's a better way. Somebody say there's a better way. So when it comes to our life, and I'm talking every area of our life, when it comes to our relationships, when it comes to your work, maybe you're in school, when it comes to your school, when it comes to your responsibilities, when it comes to the trials that you face in life, when it comes to the seasons in your life, when you are on the mountaintop and you can see God's hand all over your life, or when you're in a season where you are so low, you don't know where God is. I'm talking every season of life. The Bible tells us that there's a better way to walk through that season. There's a better way to walk through that. And it's What we find in Galatians chapter 5, it's these things called the fruits of the Spirit. Um, And I don't think our pastor, Pastor Josh, could have preached a better opening word last week on our series on the the fruit of the Spirit, on love. That's right. And uh, what he did was he really laid the foundation for the whole series. So if you didn't get to hear that, I want to strongly encourage you, go back and listen to it. But we looked at fruit. We also looked at love, but we looked at fruit because they're called the fruit of the spirit right and there's a reason why god calls them the fruit of the spirit it's because when we look at fruit natural fruit it shows us something about the fruit that god wants to produce in our life and we looked at four different observations i want to give them to you really quick the first one was this fruit is always visible you guys remember that fruit is always visible fruit is evidenced that something is growing right And so in the same way, the fruit of the Spirit, we should know if we're producing the fruit of the Spirit or not. Like, we should be able to look in our life and see yes or no. It's not like maybe. No, it's evidence of growth. And the second thing we looked at was fruit never exists for itself. I loved the picture we got of that tree. How many of you ever seen a tree put a fruit inside of its trunk, right, and eat it? That's not what trees do, right? Because trees, fruit trees produce fruit not for themselves they don't hoard the fruit for themselves but it's for people it's to sustain life right and in the same way the fruit that we produce from God is not just for us 
It's for our family. It's for our friends. It's for the people we work with. Point number three was fruit always bears the identity of the tree that it's connected to, which means that it kind of doesn't matter how bad I want to produce godly fruit. If I'm not connected to God, I ain't producing godly fruit, right? And point number four was this. Fruit must be sourced to grow. If you want to grow healthy fruit, you've got to source the energy. You've got to source yourself in the Holy Spirit, the one who can produce the fruit. Not our strength, but his strength. Amen? So I want to continue this series looking at another fruit that the Holy Spirit wants to produce, and that is uh, the fruit of joy. Somebody say joy. Joy. We're going to look at the real deal, not that gas station version fruit not that red delicious version but the real deal so check this out in Galatians chapter 5 this is our verse for the series it says but the fruit of the spirit is love somebody say it with me joy that's it I don't want to read the rest of it (laughs) because we're going to be in here for nine weeks y'all I don't want to spoil it for you so uh, we're going to be spending some time diving into joy my message this morning is entitled surprised by joy surprised by joy. Let's pray before we get into this. Father God, I thank you so much for our church, and I thank you so much for this series, God, where we're diving into the fruits of the Spirit. Thank you, God, for offering us these fruits that we don't have to try to produce these things in our own strength, the fake version, the the not tasty version, but God, that we can be connected to you and produce something good and healthy and pure, something that feeds people. And so we open up our hearts to you, God. We need you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Okay. So we got to define what fruit is because the Bible talks about the fruit of joy. Um, But there's another way we can define the fruit of joy. There's a worldly way we can define joy. In other words, I want to talk kind of about what joy is not. Um, Because how many of you know, last week we talked about how there's a worldly version of love a fruit version of love that comes from the world, and there's another one that God wants to give, but they're different. They may look the same, but they're different. Remember last week we said that worldly love says that love is about feelings, and it's about getting, right? It's about getting what I want. It's kind of a selfishly motivated fruit. But love from the Holy Spirit is different. It looks different. This is what it is. Godly love says love is about choices, and love is about giving. It's it's that love that Jesus modeled for us. It's the love that he invites us to, to walk out. So what about joy? Well, I went on to Google, and I typed in, what does joy mean? And I got the definition. Is that okay if I share with you guys? This is what Google told me. This is what joy is. Joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. It's like really happy. It's not just like happy. Happy's lame compared to joy. (laughs) Joy is like really happy. Like you ever known that person that's annoyingly happy? They're always happy. They're probably joyful, according to Google. That's what joy is. It's a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. But I was thinking about this definition, and I kind of think, I don't think this gives us like the full picture of what joy actually is from the world. Because remember, worldly fruit is still real fruit. It's just not fruit God wants us to produce. And I think this definition tells us what the fruit looks like, but it doesn't tell us where it comes from. Or it doesn't tell us how we get it. So I want to give you Jay Money's remix of that (laughs) definition. 
That, that, my brother calls me J Money. That's why I said that. Anyway, Jackson's <laughs> definition of Google's definition. This is what I said. Joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. How do we get it? Produced by a circumstance that best benefits me. Joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness produced when things are turning out the way I want them to turn out. Now, remember, the worldly version of fruits, they're not fake. It's not like they don't exist. They're real fruits. They're actually counterfeit versions of the real deal. And every counterfeit version is rooted in something different than the real version. It may look similar to godly fruit, but at its core, it's motivated by something different. That's what makes it bad. That's what makes it not taste good when other people taste it from us, right? And so I don't want to spoil the rest of the series, but all nine of the fruits of the Spirit have a counterfeit version, and they're all rooted in the same thing. You want me to give it to you? It's selfishness. Every single fruit of the Spirit has a counterfeit version, and it's rooted in the same thing. It's, it's selfishness. So when we look at love, we see that worldly love says it's all about getting that feeling that I want. It's about getting and, and keeping that feeling. And worldly, or worldly joy is the same thing. It's motivated by circumstances that make me feel good. And I think, if we're being honest, that's how we would characterize the most joyful moments in our life, right? Like, let's be real. The most joyful season of your life is when things are going your way, right? That's okay. Let's be honest, church. Like, we're joyful at the end of a day or at the end of a week when nothing's crashed and burned. Who's joyful about that? Yes, you can be real with me. We're joyful when we're really on top of that sin that we struggle with. Like we've kind of like willed our way through it. We're joyful. That makes us feel good, right? We're joyful when, when our kids aren't disobeying us, right? Amen, parents? I'm not saying amen for me because Marlo's too young to even sin yet. So she doesn't disobey yet, I don't think. Anyway, we're joyful we're joyful when we get that recognition at work that, that we want, right? It's something we want. It's a circumstance that benefits us, and we feel happiness, right? We feel pleasure. I don't think any of us would necessarily describe a really dark season in our life as being full of great pleasure and happiness. Like, we don't normally go, yeah, that, that season where I got a divorce, I would really describe it as pleasure and happiness. Like, that would be crazy, right? Like, we, we don't normally look at the darkest seasons of our lives and describe them as great pleasure and happiness. But can I tell you, it's not, it's not bad that you want to experience happiness. God wired you that. Like, I promise you, God didn't wire us to feel depressed and despair for our entire life and then die. Like, that's not why God wired us. He, that's not why he gave us the fruit of the Spirit, right? So it's not necessarily bad that we want to feel joy or happiness, What's bad is that we're chasing the wrong joy. We're chasing the wrong joy. We find ourselves depending not on a joy that God gives us, but on counterfeit joy. So we're depending on things working out in our favor. Does that make sense? So it's like, it's like if we're depending on the people in our life to make us happy every day. I promise you, if you're dependent on your family making you happy tomorrow, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> I promise you, if you're dependent on your performance tomorrow to make you happy, you're going to be greatly disappointed. I promise you, if you're dependent on your future turning out the way you pictured it, 
God's going to disappoint you. Because <laughs> he's going to see that plane that you have, and he's going to go, I'm just going to take that out, and I'm going to throw that over there, and I'm going to flip that upside down. That's not how it works, right? If you're dependent on this church making you happy, you're going to be greatly disappointed. It's because we're not meant to depend on our day or circumstances fueling our joy. We're not called to, to roll the dice every day and say, I hope I feel happy today. God actually offers us a greater joy. It's a joy that's not dependent on those things. So what does it look like? Let's look at biblical joy, what, what the Bible says about joy. Check this out. I love the way John Piper defines joy from the Holy Spirit. This is what he says. Joy is a feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in his word and in his work. I want to simplify that for us this morning. Here's a simpler way to say that. Joy is a happy feeling produced in the soul by the Holy Spirit, and it helps us see Jesus in any and all circumstances. Okay, so there's two things that stick out to me in that definition. First thing is that biblical joy is a feeling. Somebody say, it's a feeling. It's a feeling of happiness. Kind of sounds similar to worldly joy, right? Worldly joy is a feeling of happiness. And can I tell you something? Biblical joy is a feeling of happiness. Like, it's different than the fruit of love. Love is not a feeling. It's a choice we can make. I may not feel 100% of the time like loving my wife, but I can choose to love her. Biblical joy is different. It's a feeling. It's an emotion. Like, have you ever heard somebody when you're going through something, or maybe you've said this before, somebody say, well, choose joy. Have you ever heard that before? Have you ever said that? Like you're going through something hard, and somebody says, choose joy. You, you just went through a breakup, and somebody's like, hey, have you ever thought about being happy? Like, no, I didn't think about that. Or, or you're going through something hard, and somebody's like, well, man, you just need to choose joy. Well, man, you just need to choose joy. That's what I think when somebody says that to me, Right? You just choose joy. Joy is an emotion. What I mean by that is I can't just make myself feel joy. This is really good. I hope you're getting this. It's like, like think about sadness is an emotion. Do you ever make yourself feel sad? You can't make yourself feel, like think about it. Somebody passes away in your family. You don't logically choose to be sad. You're not like, this person has died. I should logically feel sad now. Okay, feeling sad. We don't do that. It's because it's an emotion. What does that mean? Emotions happen to us. They happen to us. I'm not saying that you don't have control over your emotions, but what I am saying is you can't just make yourself feel joy. You do have a part to play in feeling joy from the Holy Spirit, but you can't make yourself feel that. You can't just choose joy. And I think sometimes... In the church, we can sometimes get in this trap of believing a lie that emotions are bad. And we, th- we think that, oh, I'm feeling sad and I feel bad for feeling sad because God's good and so I just need to give it up to God and stop feeling sad. Can I tell you, that's not right. Like God's not like, he's not mad at you for feeling things. You're allowed to feel things. Sometimes we get into this trap that I just, I need to just have faith and not feel things. But you can feel things and still have faith, Right. Like, we, have a, we, we sing a song here. It's a worship song. 
And there's a lyric in it that I love. It says, be the Lord of my emotions. I love that because guess what we're not singing? God, be the destroyer of my emotions. Like just take my emotions away, right? And when I look at Jesus, I see a guy who felt things. He felt emotions. He felt sad. He felt angry. He felt down, but he didn't let that control him, right? So I say all that because I think it's interesting that joy from the Holy Spirit is not just something I can just choose to feel. Joy from the Holy Spirit is not unrealistic optimism. Like it's not just you being happy all the time. It's not just optimism. It's not just you ignoring reality. Joy from the Holy Spirit is so much bigger than that, but it is a feeling. So it's not something you can choose. That should be, a, that should be good news for you because I know some people get discouraged when they don't feel joy because they're trying to muster it up themselves. Can I tell you, you can't do that. Yeah. You can't muster it up yourself. It's a gift. Second thing that I think is interesting about this definition is it comes from the Holy Spirit, which is the same as last week. We can't produce it, but it helps me to see Jesus in any and all circumstances. So while worldly joy it depends on me seeing good things happen or it depends on me seeing what I want to see. Joy from the Holy Spirit is so much bigger than that because it can give us eyes to see anything we're facing, any situation, no matter how good it looks, no matter how much it's against us. And it lets us see Jesus, see God with us in that season. It's a bigger joy. Check this out. We see this in Hebrews 12. It says this, because of the joy awaiting him, he, Jesus, endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So it was because of what Jesus wasn't obligated to go to the cross. He wasn't motivated by obligation. He was motivated by the joy set before him. Now, I'm not saying that he felt worldly joy like the circumstance of him being on the cross gave him pleasure and happiness. That's not what it was. It was a deeper joy than that. He found joy in the fact that one day through this cross, you were going to come to know him. One day through this cross that he was about to go through, God was going to make a way so we could have healing. It was a deeper joy, right? It was a deeper joy. So check this out. He found great pleasure and happiness. And that's the same, same gift that the Holy Spirit offers us. It's a deeper joy there's a better way. Somebody say, there's a better way. So maybe you're here today and you're like, okay, so how do I get this joy? How do I feel this joy? I don't feel it. How do I feel it? Well, I think there's a really awesome quote I found. I stumbled upon it from a guy. You might know him. His name's C.S. Lewis. Anybody heard of C.S. Lewis before? I really like C.S. Lewis. This quote is so good. He is preaching in this quote. Here's what it says. It says, if you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get in the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. They are not a sort of prize which God could, if he chose, just hand out to anyone. Man, that quote will preach. What is he saying? If you want to get warm, you get close to the fire. If you want to get wet, you jump in the water. If you want joy, you got to get close to God, or I'm going to say it this way. You must be close to a joyful God. you got to get close to a God who experiences joy greater than you think you can experience joy. Has anybody ever been surprised by somebody before? Come on, let me know. Anybody surprised by somebody before? 
Uh, and I don't mean like surprise party, like surprise. I mean like, like you got to know somebody over time and you realize, oh, I didn't know that about them. Has that ever happened to you before? Yeah. Um, this happens a lot, I think, when people get married, right? <laughs> Everybody's looking at their spouse right now. Like you, you, before you get married, you're like, this person is the sweetest person on the planet. And then you get married and you're like, who are you? Oh my goodness. This happens a lot to me. Um, and I don't mean like, <laughs> I'm not talking about Haley. I don't mean like I get surprised by people a lot. I mean, I surprise people a lot. Um, because here's the thing. Can I get real with y'all, New Song Church? Can I get real with y'all? I won't get real with y'all. Um, I surprise people a lot because, and if you already know me, you know this about me, or if you've ever seen me in shorts before, you know this about me. Some of you are like, where is this going? Um, but I have a lot of tattoos on my legs. Some of you guys are like, what? I know, it's crazy. Jackson Wilson. I have a lot of tattoos on my legs, and I'm not talking like John 3.16. I'm talking like they're like kind of big tattoos, like, all over this leg. And um, anyway, so I surprise people a lot because I don't preach in shorts. <laughs> I've been working on PJ with that. I'm like, can we just start preaching in shorts? But I'm kidding. I don't want to do that. I, I, don't know where, uh, I don't know where this lands with you theologically. And that's okay. I get it. All I'm saying is I think Jesus is going to come back with a tattoo on his thigh that says King of Kings and Lord of Lords. <laughs> it's, on, it's in Revelations. Check it out. Anyway, anyway. I surprise people a lot because I'm just Jackson, I'm the youth pastor, and then they see me and they're like, whoa, what happened to your leg? I know, it's crazy. Anyway, well, there was one time it happened with a guy that goes to this church. His name's Brandon Anderson. He's sitting right over there. I surprised Brandon pretty good. Um, Brandon's incredible. His family's incredible. They've been in New Song since the beginning. Both of his kids are in New Song students, but um, yeah, woo. There we go. We're trying to make up for that first whoop at the beginning of service. Anyway, anyway, so I'm with Brandon, and I had just moved up to Oklahoma City from Dallas and uh, did not know anybody. And I just left my, my family, my friends in Dallas. I only knew everybody on staff, didn't know what I was doing, never been a youth pastor before, just kind of figuring it out. Like, I'm kind of in this weird transition season of my life. And uh, well, there's one day, I don't remember why, but I was with Brandon. We were running some errands. I called him this week. We just had a, such a good laugh about this. So I'm with Brandon, and uh, we're driving around. It's winter, so I'm not necessarily like showing off my leg tats right now. I'm wearing pants. And somehow we got onto the topic of tattoos. And so Brandon, I get it. People have different opinions on it. So Brandon's just, he just started talking to me about tattoos and his, his opinions on it. And I'm just like, oh, man. <laughs> I'm literally thinking, like, there are three students in New Song Students, and two of them are his kids. <laughs> and I'm about to, I, just, I should just go home. I should just go home. I knew it was a bad idea. And I was like, I had to surprise Brandon. I was like, Brandon, I've got tattoos. And he just started laughing. And, you know, we look back at that story now, and he knows me. It's been three years. Like, but I surprised Brandon. And I say all that to say this, New Song Church, I think people need to be surprised by the fact that God is more joyful than you think. Yeah. I think that most of us don't actually think God is a joyful God. 
I think most of us in this room think that God is angry at us or that he's a God, that, he's a God that we should fear, but not in the way that the Bible says. But can I tell you that God experiences joy? He experiences joy. Like he's not just the giver of joy, but God experiences it for himself. And I think sometimes we get a disconnect in the fruit of the spirit of joy because we're like, how can a God that I think is angry at me also give me joy? It's kind of like the parent that's like, do what I say, but not what I do. But God, let me tell you, knows how to experience joy better than you think you know how to experience joy. He invented it. I want to show you a couple passages of scripture where Jesus, where we find out about how God is actually a happy God. He is a joyful God. Check this out. 1 Timothy 1.8. I'm going to read this to you. It's not, it doesn't sound happy, most of this passage, but it ends good. Here's what it says. Here's what it says. It says, we know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers. Some of you are like, where's the happy part? Hold on. And for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God. Blessed. Somebody say blessed. Blessed Blessed God, which he entrusted to me. That word blessed is actually the same blessed used in the Beatitudes that Jesus teaches. And if you were here in our Red Letter series, Pastor Sarah preached a two-part message on the Beatitudes. And in that, we learned that that word blessed actually means happy. Not just like happy. It means like supernatural happy. So Timothy is literally referring to God as happy God. Isn't that crazy? Happy God. We, We see this in the creation story when God is creating everything and he's saying, this is good. This is good. You know, God's not just like stamping approval on it. Like, yep, that's good. He's finding pleasure in what he's made. Have you ever made something before and been like, man, you you keep looking at it. You're like, man, that is so good. I, I do this with my daughter. Like I don't look at her and I go, yep, that's a good baby. I look at her and I experience joy when I see her. You know, God experiences joy when he sees what he's created. He's a happy God. Not only that, the Bible says literally that when just one person, one person receives Jesus, all of heaven throws a party. Whose idea do you think that was? I promise you, it wasn't an angel's idea. It was God's idea. We don't know how to throw a party. God knows how to celebrate. God is a joyful God. I think sometimes we, we just get a disconnect right here because we're like, I don't see God that way. I want you to be surprised by God's joy this morning. God is a joyful God. There's another story I want to read to you where we find some people in the Old Testament being surprised by God's joy. Um, and it's actually um, a story where we find the verse that you've probably heard before where it says the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's found in Nehemiah. And in this passage, the children of Israel, they're coming out of exile from Babylon. So this is like right after that stand series that we just came, came out of. They're coming out of exile. And you've got Nehemiah and Ezra, these two leaders um, in, the, in the body, or not the body of Christ yet, and the children of Israel. They're leaders. And they're trying to bring revival to the children of Israel because they ain't been living right. And they're trying to get them to start following God. So they're doing these different things like rebuilding the temple and building a wall around Jerusalem. 
And then while we see this happening, there's a story in Nehemiah 8 where somebody in the children of Israel finds the book of the law. They find God's word and they bring it to them. And they're like, can you read this to us and, and teach us what it means? So they literally spend a whole day just reading God's word to them. This is where we pick up in Nehemiah chapter 8. Here's what it says. They read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping people understand um, each passage. How many of you know understanding is a good thing? It's good to understand, not just read, but to know what God's word says. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, don't mourn or weep on such a day as this. For today is a sacred day before the Lord. What was happening? For the people had been, or for the people who had been weeping all day as they listened to the words of the law. So what's happening? They're hearing God's word and they're getting convicted like big time. And they're weeping because they, they're realizing how far removed they are from God right now. And they're feeling it. So they've been weeping all day hearing about God's word. But here's, here's what happens. And Nehemiah continued, go and celebrate with a feast of rich food and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad. Check it out. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is really crazy. What's happening here? You've got this entire nation weeping over their sin. Like they're being convicted by God's word. And conviction's a good thing, right? But Ezra, he was in tune with the spirit of God. And through the spirit of God, he, he lets them know, hey, your sins are great. But guess what? This is a time to celebrate because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And we find a whole nation being surprised by the fact that this God who could wipe us out in any instant is also a God who is full of joy. He's joyful, and he has a joy that's available to you. We serve a God who's not just the source of joy. He's not just like a joy vending machine. He's not just like a, a God that when he sees you being sad just throws you a care package of joy. He's a God who experiences joy. And we don't get it by just choosing it. We get it by being close to a joyful God, a God who is happy with you, a God who is happy, who finds great pleasure in you. And I hope that surprises somebody today because I think sometimes we don't think that. We don't look at God that way, but he is a God who experiences joy. It's an incredible gift that's available to us, but remember, the fruit of the Spirit is not just for us. So it's good news, right, that the joy, that this joy is available to me because how many of you know, sometimes life doesn't work the way I thought it would. And we go through trials and we go through tribulations and it's really good to know personally that I can receive a feeling of pleasure and happiness from a God who experiences that in any season of my life. That's really good news. But it's not just for us, right? We produce this for other people too. So what does this joy do for other people? Well, there's a couple things that I want to just really quickly, really practical things that I want to give you that joy does. And I want to invite the band to come up um, as I do this. First one is this, joy, when we're walking in the joy from the Holy Spirit, joy disarms fear. Write that down. Joy disarms fear. How many of you know most people 
are walking around in life like this. It may not look like that, but they're walking around in life with their guard up because we get hurt. And when you don't know that you serve a God who loves you and protects you, what do you have to do? You've got to, everything's motivated by fear. You've got your guard up. And so you come into a room full of strangers and you're not necessarily feeling joy because these people could hurt you. And so you come in motivated by fear, but when we, the, the children of God, the people of God, have a Holy Spirit gift of joy, what does that do for the, that person with their guard up? It disarms fear. It's really, it's really cool. Maybe you've, ever, maybe you've been in a conversation before where you came in with a spirit of joy and it turned out completely different than it had to. That's because what that, what that fruit does is it disarms fear in others. Second thing it does is it drives purpose. Joy drives purpose. We see this in Jesus, right? Joy was the thing that drove him to his purpose. And when we're walking in a spirit of joy in the gift of the feeling of pleasure and happiness that only the Holy Spirit can give, what we're doing is we are driving purpose, not just in our life, but in people around us. And the last thing is this, joy delivers hope. Joy, it delivers hope, especially to people who need it. I caught to call my dad yesterday, and I was talking to him about my message today. And uh, he, he told me this story about how one time he was walking in a spirit of joy, and it delivered hope. And, and it, wasn't like, it wasn't like a crazy miracle or anything that happened, but it was a miracle. He got to deliver hope, and what happened was this. It was last year when his, his mother was, was on her deathbed, and um, there was a, a weekend where he got the opportunity to just go, go see her in the hospital. It was one of the last times I think he got to see her. And his best friend, right before he left for that weekend to go up, to, uh, to Monroe to go see my grandma before she died. Um, his best friend was like, I'm going to go with you. And so they get in the car, but his best friend, Chris, he's an amazing guy. He says, hey, we're going to worship the entire way to Monroe. We're just going to worship the whole way there. So four and a half hour drive from Dallas to Monroe, they worshiped the entire way there. He said by the time they got to Monroe, they were so fired up. Like, he's, going to, he's going to see his dying mother. He got to Monroe, stepped out of the car. They were so filled with the spirit of joy that the security guard that you're supposed to check into, they just walked right past him, didn't even see him. Security guard didn't even stop him. They were just so full of the spirit of joy. They walk into this room that is dark. The whole family, which most of them don't know Jesus, do not have this joy. You you ever been in a room where it's just heavy? Well, my dad and his best friend, they come in with a spirit of joy. And, and, you know, they weren't ignoring reality. They weren't ignoring the fact that she was on her deathbed. But what they did was they delivered hope. And that was one of the last moments my dad got to see his mom. And it didn't end, it didn't end sad. It didn't end mourning. It actually ended celebrating. Because he had just spent four and a half hours worshiping a joyful God. And so here's what I want us to see, new song. When we... Get close to not just a God who loves us, but a joyful God. We get to share in his joy. And we get to be people that disarm fear for other people. We get to drive purpose. We get to deliver hope. And it's not out of this fake happiness in our own strength, but it's a, it's a gift that the Holy Spirit wants to give to you. It's available to you this morning. And maybe you're here today and you've been trying to just choose joy. 
You've been trying to just muster it up in your heart. Well, I hope you see today that you, you can just stop trying now and you can just start getting close to a joyful God. I want to invite you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.